Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. How many of you are here today? Raise your hands. I just want to make sure. I, I got to know the audience to see who I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And listen, hey, this is the Lenten season of the year. And so we started a new series last week. We're going to pick that up again today. This is the second part. Also, it's the last Sunday in February. Some of our guests and friends from the north Go back home after this. Are any of you leaving today? This is your last Sunday. You're going back? Anybody? We had some in the last service. In fact, we, do we have somebody back there? We had, we had the whole Michigan delegation. They were sitting right here in the last service. And I said, well, that's appropriate because you're in the Michigan section that you're all sitting in there. And they said, we're all going home. I said, well, we'll miss you. But we're going to have this grand opening tonight. We wanted to do it while we still had folks here that were you know, going to be leaving. And so it's tonight. What time is that going to happen? Five o'clock. And where is it? Right here in this room. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to get ordained. Ooh, and we're going to get commissioned. And we have a surprise. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Because it's a surprise. And it wouldn't be a surprise if I told you. That's correct. So there. So you'll just have to come tonight to find out about it. But aren't you glad I shared that with you? Well, I'm so happy that one person is excited about that. Okay. We've been talking about Jesus teaching. And what we've been talking about is that Peter is telling John Mark the story of the 30 years he spent with Jesus, 30 years since he spent with Jesus, and, and all the stories that happened during that time. And John Mark will write it down, and later it'll become the gospel of? See, if it became the gospel of Matthew, it wouldn't really work, would it? No. I'm telling you the answers. You just have to pay attention. Are you with me? I want to thank both of you again for that. Okay. And this, this is what Jesus says here in Mark. That's what, what uh, he's writing. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, yes. But, but don't miss the point. You know, they got so caught up in majoring in the minors back then that they were just keeping up with rules all the time, but they forget why they do what they do. And it was a paradigm shift. It was huge because in first century Judaism, the Sabbath was everything. For them, it was a way of defining how holy you were, if you would just remember that and keep it holy. So the Sabbath was somehow connected to the holiness of God, and Jesus comes along and says, well, you didn't really understand what my father was saying. The Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. You see the, the delineation there, the distinction? And what was true, the Sabbath was true of the entire law back then. They had a lot of laws, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, and Jesus is just going to blow the whole culture out of the water, and he turns it around. Now, what's happened is that religious folks have, have leveraged this for years the wrong way. Let me say it in a different way. Think about it this way. How many people say, we need to have children because we've got all these toys and somebody's got to play with them? Is that the way that works? No, no, you have kids, and then you get toys, right? I'll never forget the first time Laura and I went to Toys R Us. We, we went a little crazy. We, we had this big buggy, we had all this stuff, and we had all those little things to put in the plugs 
you know, so you still couldn't stick your finger in the plugs, right? And all those little things to keep the cabinets where you could keep them shut. And we, we went a little crazy, okay? And the girl at Toys R Us looked at us and said, first kid. <laughs> we said, how could you tell? She said, I don't know, it's written all over your face, okay? But, but that's a way to say it is that, that you have children and then you get the toys. Let me put it a different way. God didn't create us so he'd have some people to follow his rules, right? You see that there's a difference. He commands, his commands for his people are for his people and their benefit. Specifically, God is for you, all right? Let me put it a different way. God loves you and me more than he loves his commandments. And when you get that reversed, people get hurt. Religious leaders have leveraged that backwards for generations. So Jesus dives into the dialogue and he stirs up a controversy. And eventually he's arrested and he's crucified because he wouldn't play along. He would not go along with the culture of the day. The, the Jewish leader said, this guy is not going to compromise with the way we do things. We got a system here. We like our system. We're in charge of our system. And this guy, is he's preaching a whole different radical message. He's not going to compromise with us. We got to take him out. Because if we don't, I'm afraid a lot of people are going to follow him then, right? Well, they showed us, didn't they? They, they took care of that right away. In fact, when the religious leaders used the law of God to manipulate people, Jesus was quick to remind them, hey, you're on the wrong side of God the Father. So today, we're in part two of this story, and, and it should have died in Nero's Rome, but fortunately, it didn't. It's the story of Jesus of Nazareth, as told by Peter to John Mark. He's dictating it down, and it's like 30 years later, he's telling the story of what it was like to be with Jesus, right? And so that becomes the gospel of Mark. And, and Peter would say the message of Jesus was very simple. In Mark chapter 1, he says this, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now last week we said that he wasn't setting up an earthly kingdom of power. He wasn't coming in and saying, okay, this is the way that it's going to be and I'm in charge and I'm not taking names, I'm not taking prisoners, I'm just going to level everybody and, and so I'm going to be the power source. He was saying it's a kingdom of the heart. It's a kingdom where you have a relationship with Jesus directly and by that you have a relationship with God and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He was saying it's a different kind of concept and it's here it's available right now you don't have to wait because see all the religions they said well someday somebody's going to come the jewish religion especially said well there's going to be a messiah this guy's going to show up and when he comes everybody's going to know it and jesus is saying i'm here i'm here and so the the day is here the kingdom is near you're right here with the kingdom all you have to do is take advantage of it peter would say here's what i want you to do in response I want you to believe. I want you to repent, and I want you to believe the good news. And so he's in Capernaum, and he's got four followers with him. He's got Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they come in there, and what happens? Jesus is walking along. He's got these followers walking along, and he makes a big mistake. You remember from last week? What does he do? He invites the hated 
tax collector, Levi, to join the crowd. He's going, hey, come follow me. And they're going, no, no, not that guy. Everybody hates him. He's a tax collector. He'll ruin our reputation. What are you thinking? Are you not paying attention, Jesus? And Jesus is going, no, you can come. And then it gets worse. He says, okay, I'll follow you. Where are we going? He said, your house. No, that's even, we can't go to his house. What are you thinking? Are you crazy? Because everybody lived close to everybody back then. And everybody knew everybody's business, right? Okay? And so they knew that if he showed up there, everybody was going to say, well, well, he's just acknowledging this guy. He's just accepting this guy. It's a way of acceptance. And that can't be good. And then it goes even further than that. And he says, while Jesus is having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So here's where the disciples are going. I'm not so sure I can follow Jesus, because not only does he get Levi, not only does he go to his house, but then he invites all these other guys who are sinners too and tells them to come in as well. What is he thinking? Has he lost his mind? And so that's where, he's, that's where they're coming from because it implies acceptance. And so they're, they're going, I don't know about this guy. Does he know what's going on? Well, Jesus, by this time, he's being shadowed by the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are walking around trying to catch him mess up. And he goes into Levi's house and he takes all those sinners in there with him. And so they're standing there, but they won't go in. They won't go in because if they step across the threshold, then they'll be ceremonially unclean. Okay, because they're just a little bit better than everybody else, right? So they're not going to go in there. They're just going to watch from a distance. They followed the Levi and Jesus to Levi's house, but they don't go in. Here's what happens. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know what they're really saying? Why doesn't he eat with us? You know, we can't even get the time of day from this guy, and he's in there with the worst of the worst. What's going on here? Besides that, he's a rabbi. He's supposed to know better. He's supposed to teach people the right thing to do. He should know better. And when Jesus hears this, he gets upset with them. And he, and he goes outside, and he says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Right? And so here's what I want you to see. Jesus was inviting everybody. And he loved them the way they were, but he loved them too much to leave them where they were. You see, he wasn't afraid to speak the truth in love. He knew that they needed to be convicted of their sin so that he could change them from the inside out. And so Jesus always told them the truth. And the truth is the truth. It's not something you can compromise on. And that's what the religious leaders hated because Jesus' truth went against their culture. And, and they're thinking to him, you know, as he says this, you're sick. And, and the guests, even the disciples are going, is he saying we're sick? <laughs> is he calling us sick? But here's the deal. When Jesus convicts us, when his spirit convicts us, we don't really get insulted by that. We get right with God. See, all of a sudden, they begin to see the truth about themselves. What they say is, oh, well, yeah, I guess he's right. I guess I am a sinner. I guess I need forgiveness. And instead of being offended by it, even Levi is going, well, I guess things need to change. 
And isn't that a great thing? That he doesn't just leave them where they are, but that he offers them something better. And so they're having to decide now, the disciples are having to decide, okay, Levi's going to be in the group and he's got some more people with him. So are we going to be in the group or are we going to just start our own new group, right? And they've got to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? And, and, they, and what they decide is, you know, he's right. There's something wrong with me. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. So let me just ask you, do you know what hangs in the balance for you and your decision to admit that you need help? Do you know what that means for you? If the answer is no, then I want you to know that there are people who love you, but, but you're closing yourself off to them. It may have something to do with a habit that you're involved in that needs to change, and you've been convicted about it. Maybe, you know, it's a decision where you need to say yes. And here's what, here's what the truth is. You'll never know what you're missing until you say yes. <clears throat> until you say yes to God, you'll never realize what was gone, what was not there. And Jesus said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he included everybody? That meant that the Gentiles could be a part of the kingdom. How many Gentiles we got here today? <laughs> yeah, you're going, am I a Gentile? Am I not a Gentile? Well, if you're not Jewish, okay, you're a Gentile, okay? And so that, that kind of lets you know what's going on. And aren't you thankful that you got included? You got invited to the party. Okay, so here's the deal. Back then, whenever, whenever somebody wanted something or needed something, if they said, well, I want my crops to grow or I want my baby to grow or I want my house not to fall down or I want to be victorious in war, what they would do is they would use God's like apps on their phone. Uh, they didn't have a phone, but that's what they were doing. They were saying, here's what they would say. You got a problem with your baby or your child or whatever, you, you need a God for that, right? Well, I've got one for you. And so back then they had many gods. And so what they would do is when they accepted another God, they wouldn't get rid of their gods that they had. They just had another one, just like an app on the phone. That's the way they looked at it, really. That's the truth. And so they would just go, okay, what have you got for, let's say we need something for um, our crops to grow. You got a God for that? Good. Let me have that God. And I'm just going to add them in. You just have plenty. You can, can you have too many apps? I'll just wait. Are you undecided? And, and so what they were saying is we just need another God for that. And nobody converted from one religion to another religion and gave up their gods for the one true God. And Jesus came along and says, no, I'm blowing that out of the water. Here's the deal. Not only do you have to embrace the one true God, but you got to say goodbye to all those false gods as well. And that was mind blowing back then. They were like, can we do that? I don't know. And so the invitation was in, you know, given to them and it's given to you and me. And the wait is over. Why? Because it's a kingdom of the heart and he's here. And the other religions in the world pointed to a time when God would reveal himself, just as I said. And Jesus is saying, it's here. Embrace the good news, the news that I am here. Now, 
You didn't have to be born in a certain part of the world. You didn't have to understand certain customs. And you didn't have to have a specific heritage. Once again, if you're a Gentile, even a Gentile, you can be accepted. Everyone's invited. And Jesus said, I want to make sure that you understand the newness and the uniqueness of my message. I haven't come to tweak something, but I've come to replace everything that's in place. And the scripture says in Mark 2, he goes on and he talks about this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And so here's the deal. He's preaching a message that can't be compromised. He's speaking the truth in love. And he's saying, I'm not going to blend in with the culture of the day. Now, now do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus says, this is the truth. I love you. I want all of you to know me, and I want you to be a part of the kingdom. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm going to tell you that just because it's taught in culture doesn't mean it's right. Just because people say it over and over again doesn't mean it's right. And it's the same thing today. Jesus says, just because the culture believes something, it doesn't mean that it's something that I believe. It doesn't mean that it's the truth. In fact, the enemy wants the culture to believe the opposite of what God teaches. And so he's been working for thousands of years to try to get people to just be hoodwinked into believing that and to follow him, right? And so Jesus is saying, if, if the culture of the day is not matching up with what I say, then it's wrong. And it, no, that hadn't changed. The culture then, the culture now hasn't changed. It's, it's always the same. There is the truth, and he speaks the truth in love. And he said, I didn't come to blend anything. He said, I'm not teaching, you know, that, that what you already have is good enough and you can just blend that. You can just get another God. That'll work out. He's saying, no, it's not that way. He punctuated the futility of trying to blend in the culture of the day with this radical concept that Jesus was teaching of one true God. And he said, I'm introducing something completely new. It's not just tweaked. It's not just improved. It's new. And, and it's a new movement. And it's the church. Look at the person next to you and say, you are part of the church. Go ahead and tell them that right now. <clears throat> well, aren't you glad that he let you participate? You get to be a part of the body of Christ today. And eventually he would announce to his disciples, I'm doing something brand new. And you're going to be able to see and nothing is going to be able to stop my kingdom. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And you know what? You're a part of that. And you can do that. Now, before we can even digest that, Peter moves on. And he tells another story. He's a storyteller about another Sabbath controversy. He underscores this again in Mark, the third chapter. It says, another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Wouldn't you love to be there for that? Wouldn't you? What if I came in on Sunday and I, I looked at one of you and I pointed and I said, 
Stand up in front of everybody here, okay? Because that's what people want. They want to be singled out in church. They want to be ridiculed and, and made an example. They want folks looking at them, you know, and standing up. And that's the last thing they want. But Jesus is going to use this as a teaching moment, okay? And then I don't do that. Jesus can do that. I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. But Jesus could, right? Okay. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is telling these religious leaders the truth, and they know it, and they won't even acknowledge it because it goes against what they want people to believe. Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. I know what I believe. I know my system. I'm not going to follow your system. I went to a church one time, and I was serving that church, and they had traditional worship, and they had contemporary worship, and they had worship wars, okay? And so this one guy who went to traditional worship, his kids actually went to contemporary worship, but he was opposed to contemporary worship and so he came to my office and I was trying to hear him out and talk to him and listen to him and let him have his say and just trying to help him see and they've been having contemporary worship in that church how many years 10 years and here's what they would say we're just not sure God has called us to have contemporary worship I said, how long does it take you to discern what God has called you to do it's been it's been 10 years. How long does it take? And they were like, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. <laughs> and I said to this guy, let me ask you a question. Over the last 10 years, how many people do you think got saved in the contemporary service? And what are you going to do with those folks? Are you just going to send them to hell because they, they got saved in the contemporary service? What are you going to do about that? And he got so flustered. And he, he knew the truth, but he didn't want to acknowledge it. He stormed out of my office. He left because he would not recognize the truth. But praise God, he got convicted. And he came back to see me a few days later. And he apologized. And do you know what he did? He became one of the leading proponents for contemporary worship in the church. This guy had eyes to see and ears to hear, and he changed his heart and his mind. And he said, you know, God spoke to me, and I, I'm wrong. I need to acknowledge it. And, and even my kids go to contemporary worship, and I care about my kids. So I've got to change my whole paradigm, and I've got to look at this differently. And, and see, Jesus was talking to these people, and he was saying, you know, what's the truth? And they would not acknowledge it. And then Jesus says, which is lawful uh, on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. That ticked him off. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said, to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians on how they might kill Jesus. That's one of the saddest things you can read. Here's a guy probably born with a hand that was atrophied. You know, sometimes it gets caught up in the womb and it doesn't develop properly. And so all his life, he hadn't been able to use that hand. It's not working right. 
and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And he healed him. How do you think that guy felt about Jesus? That, that's, I don't care what day it is. I'm grateful that he healed my hand, right? And all they can do is say, well, he healed on the Sabbath. Let's kill him. They don't celebrate that the guy had a hand that needed healing. All they can think of is what they want for themselves, their system. And this guy's going to upset the apple cart. He looked around at them in anger and distress in their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and they decided how they could kill him. Jesus went into the synagogue and, I, and we think in the area of Capernaum and the man had the shriveled hand and then the story happened there and he, he had him stand up and then he, he looked at him and he confronted them and he spoke to them but they didn't want to hear the truth and he looked at them in anger. He, it was the wrath of Jesus that was taking place and so Jesus went ahead and he healed the man and then they say, well, we want to murder the rabbi because he healed this man's hand. You see, what he was saying is, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to budge. You can't blend your culture with the truth of God. And that's always going to be that way. You have to surrender your system. You have to surrender your will. You have to surrender your culture to my way of thinking. I'm God. And if you're opposed to me, then you're opposed to God, and you've got to change. There was no way to blend that, to preserve the past the way they knew it, because he was establishing a whole new kingdom. And it was the reverse. Everything that they did, it, he was doing the reverse of what they had always done. The Sabbath, the law, the rules. God gave them the benefit of mankind, not the Sabbath. God was a good parent who loves us more than he loves his rules. And suddenly out of nowhere, Mary, Jesus' mother, shows up with his brothers. And she, she wants to get him out of there. She's trying to take him out of that controversy, out of the crowd, to take him home and to rescue him from himself. And then they ask Mary, why do you want him to leave? And do you know what she said about her own son? He's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. That's the way Mary looked at it because it was so countercultural. And then Jesus entered the house again. The crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. And we're going to pick up the story right there next week because you're sitting there going, what happened next? Well, you'll have to come back. I'm not going to tell you because, you know, we're going to move forward. But here's what I want you to hear. There's a couple of things I want you to hear, two takeaways. If you're a sinner, you're invited today to follow Jesus. Today, right from where you are. Because he loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. And so he's going to speak the truth in love. And if you acknowledge it like Levi did, and you say, well, there's something wrong, there's something broken, I need help then he will save you. The invitation is open to you. You're invited to begin today from wherever you are to follow Jesus. Second, if you're already a follower, yield to Jesus and say yes. Because when your will bumps up against his will, all you have to do is say yes. And the great thing is that you're not saying yes to a list or to a law. You're saying yes to a person who loves you and has your best interest in mind. You're, you're to treat people the way I've treated you, Jesus says. You are to love one another.
the way that I have loved you. Follow me into a different way of living. It's a different way of life. And it's not a law, but it's a person, a person who invites you because he loves you. And that's why I'm so thankful our church is following Jesus because we want to do the right thing. We're not perfect. We're not holier than everybody else. We're simply saying, Lord, we want to hear the truth. We want to know the truth. We want to follow the truth. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. But we want to try. We want to try to do what you're asking us to do. We want to try to follow you. We're not just going to listen to the world because they don't have the answers. They think they do. They think they do all that. They tell you, and they keep telling you stuff over and over again, hoping you'll believe it. But they really don't have the answers. They're just as lost as a ball in high weeds. And they need the truth. We need to pray for them. We need to reach out to them. And so then Jesus can introduce something new in our lives. And let me just wrap it up by saying this. I, I have some peers in my annual conference here, Methodist preachers that I've been doing ministry for all these years. And so they talk to each other online, and, and they let me be there to be a fly on the wall to read what they're saying. And they're constantly talking about, are we going to have general conference in the United Methodist Church this year or not? Is it going to meet? Or not. COVID's going on. And what happens when you have general conferences, all these delegates from all over the world come and they vote. And they vote to as to what the church believes. And it's always biblical. And so they vote for that. And what happens is employees of the church go out and they totally disregard, blatantly, they don't just try to change it from within. They totally disregard the wishes of the delegates who are really supposed to speak for the church. And there's no accountability. The reason is they don't have a national guard in the United Methodist Church to go enforce the rules, okay? And so we said, you know, we don't want to do that anymore. We, we, we're wasting time on this. There, there are more important things that need to take place. And, and so we're just going to quit doing that. We're going to leave. We're not, we, can't, we can't in good conscience do it and encourage our people to do it. So we're going to make a decision to, to do something different, something new, something better. And so they're going to say, well, they're not going to have general conference this year. That's what they've decided because of COVID. But they're going to have a, a, a virtual general conference, but it's going to be a limited agenda. And they're not going to talk about the elephant in the room and the problems they've got. Because if they do that, things will change. And they don't want things to change. they got a system. And they want to keep the system. And so they try every way they can to just put it off and put it off. And so then they're talking, well, will they have it next year? Will they have it? And, and I'm just reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, thank you, Jesus. But we don't have to do that anymore. We can focus on the important things. And, and I wanted to say to them, and they're friends of mine. They're good people. And they, they agree with me. They believe like I believe. They're just trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I want to say to them, come on in, boys. The water's fine. Really. So come tonight at 5 o'clock right here. And we're going to be ordained and commissioned. And then there's a surprise. Did I mention there's a surprise? But I'm not going to tell you what it is because if I told you it wouldn't be a... That's right. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for our future. Thank you for your presence and your love and your guidance. Thank you. Thank you. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen.